piece of me? Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of red pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. What's up, film fans? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Welcome to episode 283. Welcome to Past Lives, and welcome to another new episode of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan. I'm joined by Zach. What's up, man? How are you doing? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy Super Bowl week Sunday, everybody. Super Bowl weekend. See, you can tell you can tell who I'm going for except for tonight. Super Bowl Sunday. It should be a I think the the Monday after should still be considered a national holiday. I think so too. So that way we can just have an extra day off. Um but yeah, it, it is a Super Bowl Sunday, so that's why we're starting uh this morning instead of later this evening. Um but Zach, you uh you planning on watching watching the big game? Yep. Yep. Um, it's kind of your, like everybody. Do you I got want? all your snacks ready? I gotta go get some snacks right at, right when we're done with this. Gotta go get some, and then we'll be good to go. What's on your uh, What's on your menu for today? I'm thinking we're thinking about we might make actual like an actual dinner, but actual might we might go get some like chips, salsa, queso, some tortillas, make it at, like a little party thing. Nice. We do, I think we did that last year. What about you? <clears throat> Uh, I think we're doing wings and 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 dogs, wings and hot dogs. 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 You cook. You cook in the wings, or are you going to, going to get them? Uh, no. Old grocery store down the street has a nice little three pound bag for six bucks. So nice, nice. But we're here to talk about past lives. Um, we're also going to reveal our top five worst movies <laughs> of twenty twenty three. Um, but last week we reviewed and talked all about Casablanca. You guys can review and listen to that episode anywhere you listen to podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher. You can also watch it on demand on Facebook Live and here on Swap YouTube channel. Um, but if you want to follow us on the social, Zach, how do they get us on the social? <laughs> yeah, we're we're all over the socials. So, uh, Facebook.com forward slash the Cinema Movie Podcast, the old famous Instagram forward forward slash Cinema Movie Podcast, X formerly known as Twitter seven four five. And if you want to send us email, some recommendations, some hate mail, some love, and every everything in between, email us at c i n e m i m e n nine two one at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Um, also, uh, let's get into some recent watches. Zach, do you have anything you want to recommend to anybody? Um, I did go see Argyle. Don't, don't waste your time with that, please. Just uh, do yourself looks, a favor. That looks terrible. The only positive thing was Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard. They actually had some good, good, good chemistry in there. But other than that, it just, it was two hours and 20 minutes. There's no need for that, for that movie to be two hours and 20 minutes. Um, I rewatched, I finished reading finally Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and I rewatched the movie. Fun movie. Uh, might need to do a little bit more Harry Potter this year. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, that was the, uh, that's the franchise that I kicked off this little franchise frenzy with. 
And yeah, uh, I true. agree. I agree. It was a it was a it was a really good franchise to go back and just dive deep into. It's fun because like I hadn't seen I haven't seen the movies in for like just go read the I'm I'm doing kind of like read the book then watch the movie just kind of just do compare and contrast. Um, there's stuff in that movie I forgot even happened. I remember like the trials they had to go through and the the, the ending with uh, Ralph Fiennes as Voldemort is probably nope. the best part of the movie. Um, other than that, really uh, checked out past lives for today's episode and really that's about it. So Harry Potter movies are on Max. Don't go see Argyle. And check out past lives. Um, let me see. I went through the Rocky franchise this past week after Casablanca. I watched one through six and then checked out Creed one, two, and three. Um, it's up on the social medias, but you know what? I gave that entire franchise a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, like, honestly, there's no <laughs> bad movie in that franchise. Rocky, you, you might be able to point out Rocky Five, um, but even it's not then, great, but still, it has a good story to it. Yeah, it, it's watchable. It's got some memories and moments in there. Um, they bring back um, Burgess Method for some uh, scenes with Mickey. Um, it, it's it, overall like I highly recommend it. it. To me, I feel like Rocky and Stallone they do better boxing scenes than boxing has actual fights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and if you if you notice there's some other boxing movies out there, but nobody nobody takes control of the boxing scenes quite like these movies do. Um and like I said, every story pays off. The character development is really, really well. So um I recommend the Rocky franchise and the, the Creed movies. Uh finished off with Jackie. Um I watched Jackie um after I just got on my JFK binge. And dude, I forgot how depressing Jackie is. Yeah. And it you know, it feels like an A24 movie. The entire thing does. Um I highly recommend Jackie. Part of me thinks it was A24, but isn't it like Fox Searchlight or something like that? Yeah. 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 Um I watched Walk the Line yesterday. Nice. You know, those two performances are really good, but something just I thought I was gonna really love the movie, but I just like oh, it's it's good, but it's not like great. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember I remember liking it a lot. So um, Thanksgiving, <clears throat> I finally checked that out. Mm-hmm. Not 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 bad. It's your fun Eli Roth gory movie. It, it also yeah. kind of feels like a like a horror comedy at, at some points. Uh, and then I checked out uh, Past Lives again for today's episode. So if I had to recommend anything. Um, I think Walk the Line is on Max, um, mm-hmm. the Creed movies, and Jackie. So, but Zach, we're going to let people know our worst of the worst movies of 2023. And we're also going to give out our prestigious Dog Shit of the Year Award, <laughs> which is which is considered our worst movie of the entire year. So I think I think it's become a legendary award myself. Should be uh should be pretty fun. And uh we'll we'll cap everything off uh Sunday, March 10th, as we talk our top five plus five movies of 2023. We're also gonna hand out um you know favorite actor, actress, um, favorite horror movie, favorite comedy, and uh just gonna have a fun, fun episode Sunday, March 10th. So 
here we go. Let's talk our top five. Zach, do you have any honorable mm-hmm. mentions? Yeah, so I for my honorable mentions, worst of the year, um, I got 65, which I thought was, I, I expect a lot more from that. You're going to hate me, dude. I don't care, but I'm just being honest right here. Megan, Cocaine Bear, and my official honorable mention, Insidious, The Red Door. Oof. Yeah. Um, my honorable mentions are going to be... Uh, 80 for Brady. Oh, God. You actually watched that. Quiz Lady. And my official honorable mention is going to be Weenie Pooh, Blood and Honey. Who was in that Quiz Lady? Was that Aquafina? Was she in that? Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. And Will, and, and Will Ferrell. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, so this is going to be fun. This is fun already. Let's... Uh, I'm surprised the Winnie the Pooh movie wasn't in the top five, to be honest. Was there just five more terrible movies? Yes. All right. Um, And let me start off with number five. Um, Number five for me is going to be Heart of Stone. The uh, Netflix Mm. exclusive with Gal Gadot. you know, anytime she puts together a movie, you're kind of like, oh, I can't wait to see what kind of physical role she does, whether it's her own stunts or what kind of, you know, movie they put her in. But when you start getting typecast by Netflix and they're looking to just push out anything as, as much as they can, it kind of just spells disaster all over the place. And that's what that's what the Heart of Stone was for me. So um, it's on Netflix. If you dare go check it out. But it's. It's like two and fifteen minutes, two hours and fifteen minutes that you're just not gonna oh. get back. And uh, honestly, I believe she's kind of become a little stale. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've tried to put her in some comedies, they've tried to put her in in some action movies without being Wonder Woman. I just think she's she's now got the Wonder Woman curse, man. I don't think she's gonna she's not gonna yeah, pop out. Yeah, unless you use her for her looks or do like a Baywatch type movie. Or maybe just put her back in as Wonder Woman. I don't see her. Um, I just don't see her, you know, sparking out as anything else. Yeah. Unless you want to throw her in there as a, as a Bond girl, maybe she can do something like that. But yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, number five I, for me is a uh, Heart of Stone. I saw that. I didn't. I didn't. I never. I didn't see that movie, but it was just, you know, on my Netflix queue. I was like, I, I, I'm not gonna watch this. I just heard the bad buzz about it, and it's like, it's like you said, two hours and 15 minutes. Like, no, I can't. No. So, uh, my number five is a film that no one, no one in the world has heard of, except for maybe me and maybe you. So this won't take too long. Uh, my number five is Marlowe, the Liam Neeson like New York detective movie. That I almost bought that earlier this year. <coughs> <laughs> it's. In the late 1930s, Bay City, a brooding down-on-his-luck detective is hired to find his to find the ex-lover of Glamis Hyrus, heiress. It 
it is so boring. I, I usually like period pieces like that. And it's just, I like the 1930s and that look. And Liam Neeson fits in that world, but it is just dull. There's no good acting in it. I think, you know, I get actors got to take a, you know, to take a paycheck just, you know, because they need it. But this, mm -mm. no, 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 no. Not good, guys. Not good at all. Uh, the only, I will say positive. I did like the production design. It did look like 1930s California or wherever it was. So there is some good attempt at trying to make that as real as, as recreated as possible. But the storyline is just, no, not very good. Oof. Uh, number four for me is going to be The Expendables Four. Oh. Um, it it was it was rough, man. When when you spoiler alert on The Expendables Four, if you haven't seen it, I believe it's on Paramount Plus. Um, but man, you you kill off Stallone at the beginning of the movie, and he's, what's the point? He's gone almost the entire movie except for the last ten minutes. So you have Jason Statham, which can carry a movie, don't get me wrong, um, but you have him compete, you have him carry the movie with Megan Fox. Oh. And then you have the Megan Fox fight scene where they end up turning it into a love scene. It's I completely wanted to wash my hands of it. I was bored the entire hour and 45 minutes. It's lucky it didn't make number one. Okay, and the only reason I think I have it, the only reason I have it at four, I did have it a little higher, but the only reason I moved it down was because of Stallone. I, I can't I can't do Rocky like that. I can't do Stallone like that, but it's it's pretty bad. If any movie should kill off a franchise, this should be the last Expendables movie because it was it was god awful. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. So I think I gave it like yeah. original. I, I think I gave it a three out of ten. Yeah, it'll, it'll show back up. Don't so, worry. What's, so, what's your what's your number four? Uh, number four, you're gonna hate me for this one, but I, like I said, when we do these lists, we got to be honest with each other, and this has just made it number four. Uh, number four is uh, the Exorcist Believer. It, I understand. Look, I get we're in a time where requels dominate the horror genre. We, we did it with Scream. We did it with all these Halloween. other types of films. Halloween. And I would think with David Gordon Green and Dana McBride doing the Halloween, what you know, the Halloween that Halloween trilogy, it's got mixed results. Some people really like it. Some people thought the first one was great, then the last two are terrible. Um, I think, you know, I think we had something kind of good with that, and then they're going to take on the Exorcist franchise and do something different. I, and I get we talked about this when I first watched it. I don't know, December or whatever. Um, it is boring. There's just nothing going on in it, going on in it. And I understand that's kind of like the, the formula from the original exorcist. Like you build up until the, the actual uh, exorcism sequence. Terrible acting. I don't care about the kids. I don't care about the families. There's just nothing that attached me to these characters. And the, and the scares in this are terrible. And you bring back Ellen Bursting. Spoiler alert for anyone who cares. You bring back Ellen Bursting so that she can get stabbed in the eyes. And then you have like a five-second cameo with uh, Reagan at the end of the movie. Linda Blair at the end of the movie. Like, what? And it was so bad that I think, from what I understand, they're not even doing the next two films. 
I think Danny Danny McBride, not Danny McBride, uh, David Gordon Green walked away from it. And I don't think Deceiver, which is the second film and the third film are even going to happen now. That That's how bad, like you talk about how a film could end a whole franchise. That's how bad this was. So that's my number four. My number three is going to be uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. That's um, my number three too. So let's talk about it together. I I completely was in for it, you know, but then I was like, oh, I don't get it. It's, it's I don't get it. It's streaming exclusively on Peacock and theaters. You go dig out Josh Hutchinson. You put Matthew Lillard in there probably for a little bit of a horror nostalgia. Um, you know, with Scooby Doo, Scream, and and Thirteen Ghosts, but yeah. like I was, com- my my thumbs were in my hand. I was twiddling them the whole time. I wanted to play on my phone, but I didn't. And I don't, I don't, I get the concept. Believe me, it's it's a it's a it's a video game adapted into a, a movie, a horror movie. I get it. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's not done right. It's it's boring. Um, if you know, if this is. A, a generational type horror movie for kids who have played that game like 10 years ago, um, then this generation is, is doomed because if, if people find that entertaining and want to go check that out at the movies and call that a horror movie, then, you know, I, uh, I should, I should Abraham Lincoln myself <laughs> Be- because that's just, that's, that's disturbing. But I'll yeah. just say to my, I'll just say to myself, I'll just say that, I'm glad it was on Peacock and I didn't have to actually physically go to the theater and watch it. I'll, I'll, I'm on the opposite side of you. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how this is actually a whole <coughs> franchise thing that people just absolutely, that kids younger than us absolutely love. I, what is, what is the appeal for? I don't get it. Is I understand it blum, the concept this, of like, it's Blumhouse. Blum yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Me. So yeah, this is, yeah, it'll definitely be getting a sequel just because it was, made for so cheap and made so much money at the box office. I think, um, it's terrible. I, so, I, I just, yeah, get it. I will say Josh Hutcherson was good in it, but it just, it didn't save the movie for, so, and the whole concept of, I like the concept of a killer Chuck E. Cheese thing. That was kind of an interesting concept, but they just did it in a way that was so boring by the, by the end of the film, you're like, okay, just kill whoever you need to. So I can roll credits and get out of here. And it was like two hours long. Yeah. Well, I thought it was longer. It's actually just barely, it's like an hour and 50 minutes. If you want to watch (laughs) something that's the same concept, but has more badassery in it, go watch Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage. And that thing's only an hour and 20 minutes. And you're in or out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fucking terrible. Um, (laughs) My number two is talked about him earlier with Jason Statham. Number two for me is the Meg two. Uh, um, I'm kind of like you, Zach. I like disaster movies. I like movies where animals, you know, just completely rattle the cage and want to kill you. Um, I love big shark movies, but this one did not do it for me. Um, again, boring, outdone. And rumors of there being a third one is just absolutely absurd Stop. to me. Um, yeah, I, I uh, I'm not a fan. It was it was boring. I only have it because it was a Jason Statham movie. Where is it at? It's somewhere. Yeah, the Meg Two. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, never again. I feel bad for Jason Statham, but you know what? Good for him though, because he's getting paid. He's doing all these movies decades later. I heard he did something called The Beekeeper that actually got positive reviews. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um. So you know what? I'm he had a rough. Glad. He had a rough. He had a rough year last year. So maybe this one will turn it around. Well, you know what? Operation Fortune didn't make my list. So. Two, two, uh, I heard, out of the three movies he did last year, I heard they were all kind of mediocre, but I didn't mind Operation Fortune. I love Guy Ritchie, though, so maybe it's a little biased. Yeah, that's true. What's your number two? Uh, number two is a film that came out the same day as Across the Spider Verse, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I saw it for free because otherwise, I'd probably this would probably be my dog shit of the year. Uh, number two is The Boogeyman, an adaptation Ooh. of like the, the Stephen King short story. This movie, it should have been like what they did for Prey, just put it on Hulu as a Hulu original. It didn't need to be in the theater. It didn't it didn't have like no one in the movie is a well-known actor or actress. It was just slow, a buildup that was really leaned up to a CGI creature that was in the dark and you couldn't hardly see what it was. Just just bad, just real, real bad. It, Stephen King, I've just noticed while he does have really good concepts, they're good for books. They're not really good for movies. The It movies, obviously, were probably the best ones. The Shining, obviously. But eight times, eight, seven times, seven out of eight times, they're not good movies. They're not, they don't translate well into that medium. And this was definitely one of them. So it just, yeah, adds to that pile. Number two, The Boogeyman. Wow, that's on Hulu now, and then I think that did get a physical media release. I almost bought it, but yeah, they the asking price is still nineteen ninety nine. No. What's your number one worst movie of twenty twenty three? My worst movie of twenty twenty three, and it gets the prestigious White Dog Shit of the Year award. Uh, you already mentioned it is The Exorcist, The Believer. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Um. Like that shocked okay. me. Every, everything you say about it, man, it's true. It's it's dull. It's boring. You don't care about any of the characters. Um, there's only probably one cool scene in it, but even then, it's just kind of dumbfounded about, about the whole movie. Um, you bring in the mom, which I don't think was needed. Obviously, she's got bad taste in her mouth. She she made a book about her daughter's fucking freak accident. Um. Yeah, there's there's nothing nothing entertaining about this movie. Everything is just poorly done. I think Blumhouse is, you know, they're they're not going anywhere because they make movies for a million dollars and they turn around and get a, a you know fifteen yeah. twenty thirty million at the box office. But Danny McBride and Jason Blum should just stop doing what they're doing as far as requels go and sequels and. Just do original content like you do. Like, you know, stuff like the black phone, that's fine. That's good. But then you turn around and you, you put out some shit show like Five Nights at Freddy's or, you know, The Exorcist, The Believer, and you're like, you know, <clears throat> God damn, I, I, wanted a, I wanted an exorcist myself. Five Nights at Freddy's, it, was a, it had a budget of $20 million. That movie made $300 million at the box office. So that's that's what I'm talking about. I can't believe people you you people out there went and paid to watch Five Nights at Freddy's when it was on Peacock. I am. Uh... 
send me send some emails, send some messages, send something like what is it? Why do you, why did why why did that movie make so much money? Five Nights at Freddy's yeah. did not. Uh. Exorcist Believer had a budget of thirty million dollars and it made one hundred thirty-seven million at the box office. So I'm just like, I think that's this is the I world. That, this is, I think it's still gonna, in, man. I think it's still going to get a sequel because of how much oh, money I, it made. I don't know, dude. It. I, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I gave it a two out of ten. Yeah, I think the new the new Exorcist movie is is complete trash. So that's my that's my worst movie of the year so far. And you know the thing is, I think the Exorcist is not a proven franchise. Halloween is a proven franchise. Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But the Exorcist, you have one good movie, and then you have all these other ones that are just trying so desperately hard to get that magic or that but, horror but that's, element. That's- that's that's horror movies in general, though. I mean, look yeah, at the I know. Amity, I know. Amityville Horror, The Omen, all that stuff. You know, Saw. Saw Eleven comes out this year. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. watch your mouth on Saw, okay? At I least li- I like the Saw. At least those are a little bit more entertaining. They're they're watchable, and they're you know the best thing about them is they're only an hour and twenty to an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, Exorcist was what two hours and ten minutes or something like that. It was garbage. Yep. So, going into mine, um, I actually have a number one in, in my dog shit. So, my number one worst movie of 2023 was The Expendables, or Expendables 4, as you would say. Awful. Dude, it took me, I'm not even joking, I think it took me four times to walk, get through it. I'm not even joking. And if I was Stallone, you kill me off, I ain't coming back at the end. I Now, you kill me off, I'm done. And and. I'm sitting there watching it, a 2023 film, and I'm just like, why do the graphics look like a PlayStation 2 video game? Like, I'm not even joking. It's It was so bad. The attack, whether like in the desert, that'll look like something from like a Prince of Persia game from like 2002. I'm just like, what? You ha- these, are the, these are the type of graphics we're putting in movies nowadays? <laughs> and it, it it was so bad. It And Andy Garcia being the, the bag, just... Uh, mm. Just threw up in my mouth a little bit, to be honest. And then the only reason this is my dog shit of the year award is because I saw this in the theater. I saw it for free, and I still wanted a refund. Number my dog shit of the year for 2023 is the Meg 2, the Trench. Terrible. Terrible. And I'll defend I'll defend that first Meg movie because it get it got what it was. It was a B uh, monster movie. That's all it was. And you had fun with it. Jason Statham kicked ass and you saw giant sharky people. That's all you need to see. You don't need to put horrible CGI dinosaurs. You don't need to have a whole backstory about him trying to save the world through a trench at the bottom of the ocean where you have horrible visual effects. And then you're, the reason you go see it is for him to fight giant megalodons. And that's only 15 minutes of the two hour movie. Like, mm <laughs> The movie was over. The credits started rolling. There's a group of people by me. They're just like, "Oh, that was really good." And I'm just like, "Like, oh, I, they said they said they like this better than the Haunted Mansion remake from this last year." I'm just like, "Just it took." I just had to get up and leave. I was like, "I can't," because I will <laughs> start cussing people out if I start talking to them. Mm. So it just, I'll be honest, dude. The the movies that were rough, the movies that were bad, they were rough. They were really rough. 
I bet we could have probably talked another fucking. We could have added five more movies in there. Yeah, I mean, did you have what were your honorable mentions? Oh, uh, the Quiz Lady and Eighty for Brady. Uh, Eighty for Brady was on my watch list for a long time. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this to myself. It's never. And I, and I like football movies. I really do. And I like Sally Field. I like them old bitches, but I just I I could like not, him in this. No, I could not like him in this. Yeah. So you want to move on and do a little something positive? Talk about an actual good movie. Let's talk about a good movie today. We're talking about past lives, guys. Um, it is one of the latest movies from A twenty four, but it also is nominated for best picture this year. So we're keeping the theme of at least talking about some of the best picture movies that we have seen. Um, currently on IMDb, it has a 7.9, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Metascore is at 94%. With a release date of June 2nd, 2023, its budget was $12 million, and it grossed a little over $23 million at the box office. Um, mm-hmm. Nora and... Hey Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends are wrestled apart after Nora's family emerge, immigrates from South Korea to Canada. 20 years later, they are reunited for one faithful week as they confront notations of love and destiny. Um, starring Greta Lee, To You, John Magaro, and uh, directed by Celine Song. Uh, you can. This is streaming on Showtime anytime. You can rent it on Prime Video for three ninety nine, um, or if, if you guys still do physical media, uh, I believe you can still find this at like Walmart for fourteen ninety nine on Blu Ray. Um. So Zach, uh, do you remember? Did you, you? This is your first time watching it, or have you seen it before? I saw it before. I think I saw it. I don't know. November, December, when you got it on put it on the voodoo um i really really liked it the first time i i liked the we'll we'll get into it um the second time though it was kind of a challenge to watch not not so much the the storyline but just more of the pacing i felt i just felt the pacing of it this time so yeah what about you um same honestly it's an hour and 45 minutes i really liked it the first time i was like man Best, one of the best movies of the year, 10 out of 10, no doubt. This time I kind of felt the same way you did, almost honestly the same way. Um, don't get me wrong, there were still great scenes between the two. The cinematography is out of this world. Um, mm-hmm. Good chemistry, good acting, but it doesn't save the fact that there are some pacing issues. Yeah. Um, and for it being an hour and 45 minutes, you would think, oh, you're in and you're out. You know, If it's that good of a movie, it holds you and connects you. Um, but it lost me a lot. But we're, we're that's jumping ahead. Um, but let's let's talk about it. You know, they meet in Korea. I really like how the movie opens, where an American couple sounds like is judging mm-hmm. at, at one of the scenes from the bar, where you have um, you have we, Nora, yeah, yeah. Hi, Hi, Hi Song, and Arthur. They're just sitting at the bar. And, and you have, like you said, an American. I call it just like stranger watching, and you're you're just trying to come up with ideas of how are these three people related. 
And then we jump back to 24 years early when they're when Nora and Hyson are kids. And then that's how and we begin the story. And and the story takes off really, really quick with the with the you know the conversations in Korea. You can tell the two kids, mm -hmm. you know, cling and they start holding hands. They they like each other, obviously. I'm guessing yeah. they're probably what, like maybe nine or ten, between nine yeah. and eleven. Yeah. Um, and then you get the statue scene where the mom is telling the other mom. Um, hey, we're we're immigrating soon, yeah. um, and they're going to Canada because her dad is a film director. Um, but it does have a twenty four, just plastered all over it with with the, yeah. the the scores, the the scenes, the cinematography. Like I said, um, we, we me and you might fight, but I think this has better cinematography than Oppenheimer. I think. Hey, listen, we will fight. <laughs> I mean, think, I'll, I'll meet you at your house. I'll be right back. I think this has better cinematography than Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I think it just has that good old-fashioned long shots, and we'll talk about the long shots throughout the movie. Um, so, And ironically... And it was filmed um, on location, I think, in New York City as well. Yeah. And ironically, all those movies that you mentioned, they're all nominated... They're, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Maestro, Killers of the Fire Moon, and El Conde are nominated for cinematography, but <laughs> this is not. And it, it, I agree. Like there are a lot of, there are a lot of good shots. Like the the scene where, uh, in the beginning, where they're having their date in the park and they're just like running around with the statues, and the mom are just to talking or talking with each other. I like how um, the the. The cinematographer does a very good job of just placing the camera somewhere and letting the two and let the scene play out. I think that I think that's one of the bi biggest positives about this movie. Later on, jumping ahead of when they're grown and they are at um, Nora and High Sung are at like a a pier and there's a merry-go-round in the background. Yeah, I, that that to me is like what makes a good movie good because it's almost like. It's the metaphor of they're talking about their lives, but they're also you have the metaphor in the back, the may ground in the background, and they're just going around the same motions every time, every time that they're with each other. And I think that's just like perfect symbolism for that. Keep going. Um, um what would, would you when they started immigrate when they did the immigrating and the, like the last shot of them as when they're kids together. The two pass in the street. Nora goes up the steps, and uh, High Sung just goes down the street. Um, that's also a great symbolism of like now they're going on two different paths, and whether or not they are going to intersect again in their lives is kind of like the, what the rest of the movie is about. And also, like, I mean, you start watching their young individual lives when they're in college, and they start doing the mm -hmm. the FaceTiming. When they start doing the FaceTiming and the the the, the video chats. To me, mm -hmm. that's when the pacing issue started for me. Oh, uh, see, I had the opposite. Like when they just like the first time when they did when I watched this the first time, the FaceTiming and like the reconnecting through Skype calls, that was the best part of the movie for me. Cause like you can you know, it's one of those situations where you kind of can relate whether it's someone <clears throat> from your past or someone that you kind of had a crush on and you finally get to reconnect. Um you you have those feelings of like wow I haven't seen you in forever you've you've changed you know it's kind of like the um the old memories start kicking in it's just like I kind of, I can relate to that and so I enjoy that 
it was when we got to for me the pacing issues kicked in when we got with when we when she met Arthur at like the art um escape uh, escape or whatever or art convention or whatever it was and it was just like okay anytime Nora is with Hai Song I think the movie works anytime he's she's with Arthur it just it kind of slows down to me do you think and I'm just gonna spitball this but I think that's done on purpose I I think they put those two in those kind of situations so you can maybe feel, oh, they, you know, sung and, yeah, and sung and Noah belong together. You know, this guy, like he says when they're laying in bed, he's the evil American that is laying between her and sung as far as their destiny goes. So I think, and to me, the movie really kicks off when they finally reconnect in person again, it's 54 minutes. That's an hour into the movie. Yeah. And you still, and you have only 45 minutes left. Yeah. So to me, that's why I'm, I'm pacing because, okay. Yeah. The acting is good when they're doing the, the, the Skype video or whatever, but you know, the, the acting really goes up a notch when they finally meet together in their mm-hmm. adult lives after 24 years. Um, once they meet at that 55 minute mark, to me, the, the rest of the movie just flies by. Um, and it is a little cringe. Like I said, it's a little cringy when Arthur and his wife, uh, Nora are, you know, hanging out, talking, having that conversation. Cause it just mm-hmm. feels the subject matter that they talk about sometimes just feels awkward. Like when she's, when they're both getting ready for the day in the, in the bathroom where they're, whether it's getting ready for nighttime, I don't know. And he's like, you know, are you attracted to him? There's there's that awkwardness of should she tell him the truth? Should yeah. she lie to him? But she yeah. spits it out at him and she covers it up smoothly. I think that conversation was smoothly. You know, if that was a real life conversation that I was involved in, I would be like, okay, she wasn't lying, but yet it was awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> The thematic material in the movie, when they're when she's talking to Arthur about the inyun, which is essentially a Korean word for fate, um, I really enjoy that aspect because it cuts back. It cuts kind of cuts back between Nora and Arthur and Han Sung doing his thing, where he's he has to enroll in the uh, Korean army because that's just a something that they have to do at a certain age. But then. You know, his friends are giving him crap because, oh, so you're going to New York because you want to go see Nora? It's just like, no. But that's, you know, obviously that's that's something that as guys, we don't want to admit that we want to go see someone that we're, we're trying to win back. And at the end of the day, I really enjoy the conversations of like, what is marriage? What is a relationship? What, you know, if we had gotten together at a younger age, do you think we would have broke up by now? I really, really enjoyed that stuff. I think the I think the screenplay is really well conceived, really well designed. And obviously it, it got nominated for best original screenplay that and best picture. So I'm kind of bummed that uh, Greta Lee didn't get nominated for best actress. Cause I thought she was really good in this. Um, the acting is really good. It, you also, I think, sorry, I think I'm the jump, director jumping around. No, you're good. I think the director, so, uh, Celine, Celine Singh, was good. Yeah. Should have got, this is her first, this was her first feature film and she knocked out of the pack. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that, do you think, I, and jumping ahead, I guess we can 
we're kind of all over the place now. Do you think that they, do you think that they would have, do you think going into the movie that they were going to get back together? Or do you think that it was already set in, set in stone of this was her life and she wasn't going to change it just because he came back into her, came back into the picture? Um, when I first watched it, I thought they were going to end up together. Um, you know, and then watching it the second time, obviously knowing the ending, I was like, when she tells him when they're video chatting that she immigrated from Canada to New York and it was hard and she now has this thing that she really wants to do and she has mm -hmm. these goals that she said she's not coming back, not even to visit. You know, that kind of gives you the hint like, wow, she's, you know, she's she's staying true to it. And then they kind of end things there. And then it doesn't mention that they talk again for a few more years, probably. Um, yeah, there's I think there's like a two year. There's really there's 12 years when they first got what from the kids to the time they do the Skype calls. And then another 12 years after they break that off and they actually meet in New York again. Yeah. So it's like a. It seems longer than that, but I guess it's like, what, two years, essentially? It probably just seems longer than that because she found Arthur and she got married. Um, mm -hmm. But even then, like when I first watched it, even though, you know, there's still that scene, the ending scene where he gets off and goes, I thought she was just going to hop in the car with him. Oh, and then she just it, it tracks her back to the apartment and she's like, yeah, it's almost like, did I make the right choice for myself in life? You yeah. Know? Something else I noticed was when they're when they're re the reunion in New York and they go to like where the uh, merry-go-round is and at the harbor. Did you notice like there's like it just follows them the pans it just follows them all the way through, but there's couples all around them when they're talking about marriage. I was like that is such a genius aspect of the filmmakers' uh, telling of the story and that yeah we're talking about marriage we're talking about relationships but why can't we work when there's everyone around us? Cause everyone around us is everyone is everyone around them is a couple. And I'm just like, yeah, I've been there. I, you know, I've gone to some place where it's just like, there's couples all around me. It's just like, God damn it. What am I, what, what am I doing wrong? You know? Well, see, it also kind of reminds me of like, if he, if this was his hometown and he took her to this spot where it was like the makeout spot, that's what it also felt like. Uh, oh yeah. But if yeah. you know, um let's let's talk about like let's put put yourself in Arthur's shoes. How would you feel? Because mm -hmm. that's and, that, that's awkwardness throughout the whole ending uh, of the movie. And I've been in those situations where you know it may not be another language, but you're talk they're talking about something that you're not in the know of. And the Celine song, I'll give her credit, you actually make you actually feel sorry for Arthur in that situation. It's like damn, they're just going on. They're just telling their telling about their lives in Korea. And he's just stuck there being like, oh, you know, you kind of have to do that thing where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, no, I get that. You're sitting there going like, damn, this is so awkward. But he knows Korean, though. He knows some Korean. He could, I don't, he couldn't grasp the entire, I don't think he could grasp the entire conversation. When it cuts, when they're, when Nora and Sung are talking in Korean, it kind of cuts back to him and he's like real sad. I think that in that moment, he kind of realizes like, yeah, they do deserve to be together almost. It's not, I don't think it's like a, it's it's not a language barrier thing. It's it's the, I'm really holding you back from your one true love. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to not teach him. 
gonna get this dick in Korean. <laughs> so would this movie be like a ten if that occurs on a right, right off the cliff? Let's talk about that for a minute because this is a twenty-four. Did you did you have any feeling of any random weird a twenty-four ending? Because we always talk about a twenty-four and how they can just turn things at the end of a hat. Did you have any of that feeling? Like, no. This is more. What is this? Is this rated R or PG thirteen? PG thirteen. It's um PG thirteen. It was a very tamed A24 film. I, mean, I was quite surprised by it. I, this could have been Universal, Paramount. It didn't, like you say, it had A24 vibes. I didn't think that at all. I just kind of thought this was just like a every other day uh, uh, dramedy, dramedy, essentially. When I, when I say A24 vibes, I mean by just the way you can tell the way it's shot, the way yeah. the cinematography goes, the score. And I like, I have it in my notes, it's like, you can tell it's a good, like, they really mean for this to be a New York City movie, if yeah. New York City is part of, a, if, if New York City itself is a character. And I think they do that perfectly in this movie as far as, like, just wide shots, just, you know, the streets, um, the mm -hmm. wide shots of the city. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that in the terms of when it comes back, cuts back to New York and Seoul. Uh, Korea, South Korea. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to, they're trying to set up the idea, or they're trying to show the idea of two different lifestyles, and that they those two cannot really mix in a certain way. And I like how, like you said, Nora's very motivated. Like she wanted to win the Pulitzer, she wanted to win, uh, you know, the Tony Award. Her goals change as life goes on. While Songs is just trying to be like, I just want to find happiness. Like I want to find that person that makes me makes me whole. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, something else I really really liked, and we don't really have to have this conversation, but like when they're on this the the Staten Ferry and they go by the Statue of Liberty, I feel like in today's world that scene has much different meaning than it would have like 20 30 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. It's like a different, the Statue of Liberty means something now than it did than 30 years ago, essentially. I'm, I'm opposite. I think it meant more 30 years ago than it does now. Like what do you, like, I'm just talking about just the, the meaning of what does, what does the Statue of Liberty mean now to America? It's what changed. Do think, what, what do you think the, it means? In, in, I think, I think the Statue of Liberty has always been a, a symbol of freedom and the idea of you can come and make your your dreams a possibility. And now in today's world, oh, yeah, you can't it do doesn't. That. You can't do that. It, it it's much 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 more complicated than it was thirty years ago. Yeah, you can't you can't come to this country and make, I don't know, just make yourself a bakery and be successful. You know, there now it's just. There's a lot of hoops you have to have to jump through in order to make that a possible a reality. I think it meant more 30 years ago. Like I think, I think the symbolism of of the Statue of Liberty is just, it's just there now. It's it's a it's it's a it's a even though then it was like a, a tourism thing too, like, you know, coming to this country and that being one of the first things you see if you travel from. Maybe the Asian parts from the east side to the east coast, 
That's one of the mm-hmm. first things you see when you come in on the ferry. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it means that much anymore just because of how many different ways there are to get over here, if that makes sense. Yeah. And everyone's, it, everyone's depiction or everyone's description of the American dream is, is completely different than it was 30 years ago. And everybody's deception of the United States is different from it was 30 years ago. Yeah, this, that's true. this movie feels like it should have been made in the mid 80s. It kind of has that vibe, almost like the the aesthetic of the movie yeah. kind of feels that way. You're talking about um, Jackie earlier in our recent watches. I feel like it has that type of like aesthetic to it, but it doesn't have like the 70s or the 80s grime that film back then has. Yeah, I think this movie would would and could have been made like in the mid 80s instead of voice chat and maybe they were going by emails. Or letters. Yeah, you, you know how um, you know how the holdovers yeah. is, is is the holdovers is like filmed like in a seventies type of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie would be a lot better served if it was done that way. Mm-hmm. But it works nonetheless. Like it's not a bad movie. It's not terrible. No. Um, and I think I don't think it's going to. But the Oscars doesn't have voting, right? Like you can't see who won second in 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 best mm-hmm. picture votings, right? Like no. the like sports MVPs or something. I think they should do that. I think I think it should be like an open voting ballot. Just of course between the the academies, you know, just right. between the, those. But if you get to vote, then you get to see who came in second place. Like I would if, like to see that. If Oppenheimer won Best Picture, then what was the the percentage compared to Killers of the Fire Moon and Past Lives? Like where yeah, were I they? Wish, in I the wish they would release it. Yeah, I, I agree. wish they would do something like that. Um, because I don't think past lives is going to win, but I do think, I don't know. I don't know how the Academy says, okay, this is, this is one of the 10 best films of the year. I don't know. You know, I I want, I just want to know, let me do it this way. (laughs) Show your work. I want to see how it got there. Yeah. Because like the only nominations to Scott was, like I said, best picture and best original screenplay. You could have done best director for Celine Song. You could have done best direct, best actress for uh, Greta Lee, best cinematography. Well, not, not only that, but like I want to know just like out of all the thousands of movies that was released in 2023, how did this movie make the final ten spots? Yeah, I agree. How did while well, you have you, you have other films did, like how did this outdo Creed three? Yeah, you know I just want to know the. the the work. What's the math? Yeah. Yeah. You have your have your answer, but how'd you come to come to that answer? Yeah. yeah I get I get you. So, um, do you have any final thoughts on the movie? Like, did you did you like how the movie kind of ended? How it was kind of a kind of a tracking shot of them going to the going to the cab, and then it follows her all the way back to the apartment. Yeah, I think that was one single shot too. I don't think there was any cuts in between from the moment the cab left. Um, and she just walked all the way back to her husband. Um, it almost felt like it was her final walk. It yeah. almost felt like her. Um, it almost felt like she knew somebody was watching her. Like, is she being judged? Um, yeah. And then I put in I my note, I put in my notes the final goodbye because I think they knew they both knew at that point that they weren't they weren't going to see each other again. Um. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that final scene. 
But I like how, you know, it cut and you saw Sung. That was the final shot of him in the cab, just looking at looking back at the city. Yep, that's true. So, so. if you're Arthur and she comes back into your arms and she starts just sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? I mean, I... you comfort her, <laughs> tell her it's going to be all right. And go give her some street meat up front. No, I kick her out, kick her off the steps, and be like, "Go!" No, well, I back to the room, give her some uh, New York style hot dog, <laughs> some uh, uh, lovely pizza. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's really hard because I feel like it's you really want to like be there for her and like be her supportive rock but at the same time you kind of wondered yourself am I holding her back from the person that she's supposed to be with and that it it you know that's a very tricky question <clears throat> I mean that that could have easily that could have easily like you said the movie could have ended with her with her going into the cab with them and that's the end of the film because like you're also like is she staying here and she's choosing me because of me or does she choosing me because she wants to stay in New York City and she has all these goals that she wants to meet, and I'm just along for right. the ride. Right. So I kind of and I kind of like how it just kind of ends with them going to the apartment, and that's it. That's that's the last time you see him, and you don't really get, like you said, is she there for her goals, or is she there because she loves him? Yeah. So. Um. You have any favorite scenes? Uh, favorite scenes, I, I know you kind of didn't like them, but like the Skype calls, the reconnecting of them, just doing the Skype calls, I really enjoyed that because I, I've done that with, you know, just different people I know I've known in my life. And it's just it's you get ex- you kind of get butterflies and excitement to see them on the phone call, even though you're kind of just nervous to be like, uh, what if this is going to be a complete disaster? <laughs> and um, the mayor, the merry-go-round metaphor when they're just sitting there talking about life and fate, and it's just they're kind of going through this whole circle all over again. So what about you? Um, probably one of my favorite scenes is going to be where they're at the bar and, uh, you know, the husband Arthur is probably like the third wheel, obviously. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about Korea work, military and the overtime. And they're like, you know, you could work 60 hours and there's no overtime in Korea, mm. you know? Um, it kind of makes you think and wonder, like, hey, I'm sure that's real, too. I don't think the director would just throw that in there, not knowing that that's not real. Right. Um, so the deep conversations like that, I, in the opposite of you, again, I like the awkwardness whenever Arthur is in the scenes, because it makes it feel like she's doing something she's not supposed to be doing. Um, I don't know. And at the end of the day, you're kind of like, man, did she, you know, not cheat? But I like how it showed her not flirting with the idea of cheating. Yeah, because at the end, right before he gets in the cab, there's that like that long pause of like, are they gonna kiss? Like, are yeah. they just like she's like you said, just is she gonna throw away her marriage just to be with yeah. him at the end? And, you know, she, they could have held hands. She could have pushed something off, but she didn't. Yeah. Um, I don't like how it took 54 minutes though for the adult versions of each of each other to meet. Um, so that first meeting between the two was, was a good scene. Um, and then I liked the conversations with Arthur and Nora in the bedroom, in the bathroom, 
And then when he starts talking to her about like hot wings and shit, like what is, you know, chicken wings. I thought that was a, those are fun conversations. And, and you yeah. can tell, you know, those you can tell that those are some good acting scenes. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot of movies, man, of 2023. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this one ranks exactly one month from today, Sunday, March 10th, 11 a.m., we're talking our top five plus five movies of 2023. It's going to be interesting to see if this one is involved. Um, Zach, what, what's your star rating for Past Lives? I'll just go ahead and say this will not be in my top ten. I'll just go ahead and say that. Um, You're supposed to build the anticipation. <laughs> I think this is a very strong film. I think it has good performances, good cinematography, Um it's worthy of the two nominations it's got at the Oscars. But for me, the thing that hinders it the most is the rewatchability. Like I was kind of excited to rewatch it for this episode. And I just kind of, it was kind of a homework and I was just yeah. like, I don't like, I don't like that. So I'm going to give it a seven. Doesn't mean it's not a bad movie. It just, I think originally I gave it like an eight or a nine, but it just, like I said, rewatchability is key and this just, just didn't have it. So I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to go one step above. I originally gave this movie a 10 um, back in December, and I'm going to lower it down to an, an 8. Um, mm. I still think it's a solid film. It's got like the story is amazing. The the character development is good. The, the, the chemistry between the two actors, and even throwing Arthur in there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of First Cow, and when I saw John yeah. Magaro, when I when I saw John Magaro in this movie, I'm like, man, he was dull and boring in that movie. Um, but he was kind of the the he was kind of the good character in this one. So um, cinematography is amazing. I love the slow score. Um, so I'm gonna give this movie a, a eight. Um, I guess same thing with you. It's not a bad movie. It was terrific the first time. But I just don't agree with the rewatchability. It, I was kind of, you know, twiddling my thumbs certain scenes, and uh, yeah, so an, an eight for me, but a disappointing eight. Yeah, it's a disappointing seven as well because I wanted this to still have like the the memories of the first time around. So, yeah. so this is the third. We talked about Barbie. We talked about Oppenheimer. We talked about Past Lives. We're talking Killers of the Flower Moon in two weeks, and then the holdovers in four weeks or three weeks. Three weeks. So. Yeah, so we've we've done about half of the movies at least for Best Picture. Yeah, so next week is the Creator Sunday, March eighteenth. Uh, Sunday, March twenty or Sunday, April, February twenty fifth is Killers of the Flyer Moon, and then Sunday, March the third is the Holdovers. So uh, yeah, next week. Um, you excited about the Creator? I kind of. Was two uh, thumbs in the very first watch of this movie. Have you rewatched it since? No, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm be honest. I'm dreading this rewatch because I, yeah, I'll talk about it on the show. So I'm just I, I need to rewatch it, but I'm just dreading the rewatch. <clears throat> we'll get into it. It should be still a fun episode, fun conversation because, uh, I mean, it's just kind of a original creative idea. It's from the director of Rogue One. Um, you have John David Washington in there, so some of the movies he's done so far, he has not disappointed. So we'll talk about it next week. 
next Sunday, February 18th, 6 p.m. Uh, new episode, Cinema Movie Podcast. Any final nails in the coffin of past lives before we get out of here? Uh, if you're a film nerd like us, definitely go check it out before the Oscars. You know, make your own opinions about it and see where you think it lands in the best picture conversation. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, I do want to send our thoughts and prayers to the family of Toby Keith, who passed away last week. Uh, it's one of those things where obviously I knew he was sick and he didn't obviously he did not look good the last couple months, last couple last year. This is one of those things that you grew up listening to him on the radio when you find out that he passed is like that doesn't. It just doesn't make sense, honestly. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure he struggled the last year of his life. And it's, yeah, I have fond memories of listening to Toby Keith in the car on the radio. So just wanted to uh, shout out and give my condolences to his family. We're not going to end on a sad note. We are ending. Super Bowl is in just a few hours. I'm predicting low-scoring game, Chiefs 23, 49ers 16. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Chiefs, I'll go a little lower. I'll go 17 to 9. So I, I think so. it'll be a fun game. Uh, anything you're looking forward to during the Super Bowl and not the game? Are you looking forward <laughs> to Usher's halftime performance? Uh, movie no, trailer? I'm, I'm looking forward to the trailer of Twisters, which we're supposed to get tonight. We're supposed to get the trailer to Deadpool, Deadpool 3, uh, and other other things. So I'm excited to see what we're gonna, what we're going to get. Are you are you bummed out that they don't do the full trailer anymore? They just do like a fifteen seconds and then say go check the trailer out online. If I have to go on YouTube and watch it, they'll I'll send my ass over to YouTube. So, um, so yeah, Super Bowls tonight should be fun game. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe and uh, we'll listen and uh, we'll, we'll we'll join you next week. New episode of the Cinema Movie Podcast. We review The Creator, which is streaming now on Hulu. So we'll see everybody next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs.